Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Hey, lovely people. We've got Karolina Jod-Kowalska with us today, which is super exciting because not only is Karolina a This Naked Mind coach, but she's also the author of Euphoric, which is all about ditching alcohol so that you can gain a happier, more confident you. Now, you know we're all about the incredible and just all the amazing benefits you can get from going alcohol free but this discussion in particular really highlights this we talk about the amazing personal and professional edge and lift that you can get from going on this amazing alcohol free journey and um carolina's story around this is really really powerful and the work she's doing is uh, is is built on that foundation so it's such a great conversation really uplifting and so so happy that you're here for it other than that just to mention we are going to be having another launch for the stay stop solution soon so come and get your name on the waiting list it is filling up fast and if you want to find out more info about any of this stuff and come and join the live q a's that we do come and join the facebook group all the links are in the show notes including all the links to carolina's awesome stuff see you there so Carolina, this is super exciting because you and I trained together back um, back in the day. It seems like a long time ago now. Back in 2020, when uh, we were <laughs> we were in coach training with TNMI. Sorry, this Naked Mind Institute, I should say that. Um, Carolina was then already an established coach and speaker, and the thing, the the standout thing from the coach training, you know, as, as we're all trying to find our feet around coaching methodology and thinking about brand names and all of this business, Carolina drops in that she's just got her dream book deal. <laughs> we're like, wow. <laughs> so um, it's a it's a real honor to have you here today, Carolina, to tell us all about your wonderful book, which I can see behind you in all of its glorious Technicolor. Um, and, and we'd love to hear more about your story too, because you've got a really, really interesting um, backstory. So thank you for joining us. Welcome. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's such an honor and pleasure to be here. And, you know, getting that book deal was one of the crowning moments of really, really recognizing that my beliefs are what's going to drive my life. And before, when I was a drinker, I had very low beliefs about what was possible. And I think that changing my relationship with alcohol is really what opened the door to be like, what if, what if I could, what if I could, right? And I kept pushing that to the limits. And it's just been an incredible story. But to go into a little bit of my story, I was a very heavy drinker when I was in college and grad school. I had no boundaries around alcohol. I lived a very party lifestyle. And I remember what that intimately feels like to not really have any healthy bearings in your life. Um, however, I changed uh, pretty rapidly in my mid-20s. And I really started gravitating to a more healthy, wellness, and mindful-based lifestyle. And so basically what I did is I shoved all my drinking to the weekend. And so Monday through Thursday, I tried to live a very healthy lifestyle. I drank green juice. I ate my vegetables. I'd go to yoga classes. And then Thursday through Sunday was when the party came out. And it was very adult though, right? So I wasn't going to a bar till 2 a.m., I was going to a winery with a friend or going to a nice dinner party or maybe just having some nice wine with Netflix. And so it all felt very normal to me, you know, but I couldn't really shake the feeling I had every Monday morning. Every Monday morning, I felt like I was literally run over by a truck. I physically didn't feel that great. Uh, but I also felt like this dark cloud of energy was following me around. Like I could feel my mood being very low, very groggy, just very disappointed in myself. And so I'd go back through the week. I'd slowly regain my energy, get back into my healthy habits. And then it's Thursday and I'm picking up and then it's Friday and it's time to drink again. And I lived this cyclical lifestyle for so many freaking years. Every Monday I wanted to change every Friday. I totally forgot all about that. Right. And what was so unnerving to me is that as that voice of intuition was telling me every Monday morning, I deserve better. I've made for more than this. I have so many other gifts I want to explore in this life. Every single time I tried to validate that in society, I was just like, oh, no, like I, I got a drink to be a normal adult, right? Everybody else I knew was doing the exact same pattern. And so for years, I just thought 
if I can just drink less, if I could just make this a smaller part of my life, it'll be okay. And so not only am I like dealing with this cycle, I'm also, you know, really recriminating myself, really making, I had a spreadsheet. Okay. I had a spreadsheet that listed how many drinks I had. So since I didn't drink during the week very much, there was some zeros in there. And all of a sudden it's your three, four, you know, whatever, no matter what happened though, it never equaled the amount I wanted for the week. That supposed healthy Mm -hmm. amount every week. I, I was over that. And the spreadsheet just drove me nuts. Sometimes I'd go to a party and have so many, I would be way too embarrassed to even put it in the spreadsheet. Right. Uh, it just was so much mental energy. And yet again, when I would do Google searches, when I would just try to investigate this further, all I saw was these rock bottom stories, this very dogmatic, you have to go to AA approach. And I was like, you know what? Like my life is very well put together. I had the career, the house, the marriage, like I felt like I was someone who could share advice about how to live a healthy lifestyle, not someone who needed help necessarily in that very paternalistic way. But it was dry January that finally changed my worldview because dry January gave me this like, wait a minute, I'm allowed to just take a break and I don't have to explain it to anyone. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go ring everyone around that I had a problem. And so I had actually looking forward to doing something like that. And I took that break in January. And I fell in love. I fell in love. I and mean, obviously there were some challenges at first, some like things I worked through, but I felt amazing at the end of the month. And in February, I really didn't believe I could carry it on. I remember the first social occasion I had that February, I drank again. And a few more times that February, just literally thinking if I want to be a normal adult, this is what I have to do. But the contrast was so like distinct for me. The sleep just completely ruined you know, I was falling in love with journaling at night and really having a solid nightly routine. I could not do that when I was buzzed. I honestly also noticed what was really eye-opening was how much it affected my mood. So in January, I'm literally euphoric. I'm feeling amazing. And as I have a few drinks in February, literally like an hour after I have a drink or two, my mood just plummets. I get frustrated. I get cranky. I even start little fights with my husband. And again, I'm not getting like drunk. I'm not drinking over, over, over the limits. Like just a few drinks is really affecting my mood and my sensibilities. And so that was the moment where I was like, you know what? This actually sucks, right? I think we know, we understand that drinking too much sucks because we have the negative feelings the next day. But I really had to learn the lesson that even a few drinks was just intuitively not worth the mental anguish, the negative consequences, just the lower moods. So I took another break uh, at the end of February, and that's literally carried me to four years later where I am today. And what happened is every single month, every single week that went by, I just became more ecstatic about what was possible for my life. Because since this was an Achilles heel for so long, and I was like really smashing it and really telling alcohol, like you're just not invited anymore. I started to really change what I thought was possible for my life. And I basically quit my job, started a business, got certified as a coach, got a book deal. And, you know, my life is now just night and day different. Uh, so that's me in a nutshell and I'll, I'll stop there. That is so cool. I just quickly want to hop in because I find it so amazing. So I think I really started the journey at a similar time, Caroline. I was probably in my mid twenties and it was the really positive things in my hat in my life, like yoga practice, meditation practice, all this deep interest in, in health that was just suffering. That was so clear to me that it's like really not very fun meditating on a hangover. It's not great going to yoga class, hot yoga class when you're already like sweating your tits off. Like that's not fun, is it? Like, so that that's why I would say to people, like often everyone's looking in the drinking behavior bit but actually just bringing wherever you are whatever you're doing bringing in those kinds of behaviors that make you feel good and lift you up it's really special because it it just it's a great signpost to show you like how much even just a little bit of booze is like bringing you down right or it's like bringing your bar down of like how good life can be so i love that it's really cool i um i just love for for you how that that initial opening, the dry, like it's like the permission in dry January, because oh, I'm not going to get hassled. And mm. just because we don't typically take breaks like that, there's kind of these occasions like dry January and there's an, sober October over here that has become a thing. So it's kind of, oh, it's all right, because I'm, I'm doing it for charity. And everyone's like, I remember the first time my friend did it for sober October, and it's like, bloody good, good on you. You know, that that's great. But it still was kind of laced with this, um, like celebrating at the end with a drink. 
like, oh, you've done so well to get through it. You've raised a bunch of money for charity. That's awesome. But you've kind of had to cling on by the skin of your teeth. And, you know, it's, it's such a challenge. And here, reward yourself with a drink at the end of it. So I, I have kind of a two perspectives, I guess, on taking a break. Because for me, like I, I stopped drinking in the December of 2019. And then went into the January live alcohol experiment and just saw like how vast and fast the change could be but that's very different in that kind of an environment than you know just kind of like a charity challenge where you haven't got any kind of support around you because as you as you rightly point out it's it's one thing taking a break for a period but it's another thing living a life alcohol free and part of the reason that we wanted to put this podcast together was because you know just as you as you've described like it life really opens up without drinking in it vastly but it's it, it can just be such a hurdle to even take a step into it because we we've just got all these beliefs like right where you started it's all about your beliefs um the things that keep you stuck so it's amazing to to, to have you here and to talk about it because the, the the name of your book's euphoric right it is and i think that's a, obviously uh I, I never thought, I thought it'd be about restriction, about deprivation. And in a way, you know, my first break from alcohol, I was feeling great, but I didn't do the internal work. So, you know, I was ready to start drinking in February in a sense, right? Like yes and no, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when, when I, when I had that kind of eye-opening experience, like, wow, this really sucks is I was ready to then go deep into, you know, the mindset of like, why, why did alcohol even become a thing in my life? I think it becomes a thing in most people's lives. That's not a shame or blame type of a thing, but what is the unique relevance to me? And for me, I didn't know this at the time, obviously this took a lot of, you know, the introspection and hindsight. I couldn't wait for the weekend. I couldn't wait to have the treat, to have something to look forward to, to really, you know, unwind. I didn't recognize how unfulfilled I was throughout the week. I didn't realize how freaking bored I was with my life, literally bored. And alcohol was like that, that fireworks up going off in your brain that I could look forward to. And so as I'm building, renegotiating my beliefs around alcohol, I'm also really inherently hungry to fill the space that's being left behind with something that will give me a sense of passion. And, you know, at first I had no idea what that would be at first. I was just like, okay, what's going to be fun. Right. Cause obviously that I thought was fun, but I have to be able to intentionally add fun into my life. I can't just take away the one thing I was relying on and sit there twiddling my thumbs. So my first thing I did was just get out there. I just tried a ton of new stuff. And I actually go over this in my book and as well as in my programs, like Let's sign up for a paddleboard class. Let's go to a writer's workshop. Let's rent a bike and bike down the coast. You know, like just these random things that I I really didn't do that often. Or if I did, it was always like, well, I can't wait for happy hour later though. This is just Mm -hmm. a five. Happy hour is going to be a 10. Uh, But I really just explored the world again. And from there, I just started to get to know myself. What is pleasure to me? What is fun for me? What is fulfilling to me? And it literally started pointing the way towards a deeper purpose, towards a deeper sense of like, this is what your next step is. This is what your next chapter is. And the confidence I got from going alcohol-free was like, if I could do this, why not? Why couldn't I write a book? Why couldn't I become an entrepreneur? Why couldn't I help other women? Um, and just live this wildly different life than the one I thought society had put me into. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So what was the, I'm really intrigued to know, like, cause there's this shift that happens from, you know, we kind of consciously realize, huh, like just stopping. This is, this isn't it. It's not actually really about the, the alcohol. Like I've stopped and this doors open. Like, what was the shift for you? When did you, what was the opening where you went, no, hang on. There's something more. Cause was it just going out and exploring new things and figuring out, wow, like there's so much more to life than, you know, just, just looking forward to the weekend or was it, was it something else? Did you meet someone or what was the opening for you? You know, I think like I I tried to document some of the aha moments I had, some of the epiphanies I had at that time. And one of the biggest ones was starting to see, instead of seeing a non-drinker as a failed drinker or someone who literally like couldn't partake in the fun. That's literally what I thought before. I think I started being so associated with people who didn't drink. And because of that, they lived these wild lives where they push the limits of, you know, different boundaries, whether it's running marathons or writing Mm -hmm. books. 
And something shifted. Something really made me say, oh my God, non-drinkers are the badasses of the world. They are the movers and shakers. Like I am now in this exclusive club, not like the the thing I don't want to belong to. It's now like where the scene is really at, right? And that shift really gets me hungry to like, push myself. It's not just about, like you said, like removing the alcohol. It's like, wow, now I have all this energy. Now I have all this motivation. Now I have all this creativity. Now I have all this intuition. Now I have all this passion bursting up and really seeing other people use that from the alcohol free and leverage it to go after anything that they want to like, just really spurred that for me. And, you know, some of my the people I admire the most in the world, like some of the biggest movers and shakers, whether it's Tony Robbins or Brene Brown or Gabby Bernstein or Deepak Chopra, like they all don't drink, whether they, most of them decided to stop drinking at one point. Right. Um, but I think that's what the big shift was in my life. Like this is actually the key to everything you want. And so that's why I just got so excited about it. So euphoric about it and have been really just, even when the question of, okay, are you going to moderate? Are you going to drink occasionally came up? It was like, well, why would I want to moderate? And my deeper kind of yearning for that was, well, I guess I'd want to fit in. I'd want to, you know, have the champagne toast every once in a while or whatever it was. Right. And I was like, Carolina, what is the point of fitting in so that you can be normal? So you can be mediocre. So you can be like unhappy. I mean, most people statistically are unhappy, are unhealthy, are unfulfilled. And I was like, no, 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 you are not on this planet to fit in. You are not on this planet to be normal. You are on this planet to be exceptional. And that's where I was really like, you know what? I've, I know what it feels like to drink. I've been there. I've done that. I know what happens every single time. What I don't know is what's going to happen if I take this road that's less traveled. And I really just put all of my faith behind that. And I have not been disappointed. I mean, literally miracles have happened in my life. Yeah. That is, sorry, Ellie, go. go, on. go on. I was going to say that's so freaking cool because it's like, so my, I'm, I'm doing less and less doing more and more of present and sober now because I love this space so much but sober rebellion that is exactly what rebellion meant to me it was like no like this is the badass thing to do like once you catch that wave like it, it's insane what opens up in life like people that sometimes say to me I used to laugh like oh it's such a shame I'd be like is it like this is the greatest gift I've ever been given if if things had been different, like, I I don't know if I'd be where I am right now. I'm so freaking grateful that things were the way that they were. And I think it's, um, that message is quite affronting to some people because it really doesn't fit the current paradigm or the story or the like the old mode of stopping where you're going to have to be, you know, living in misery for the rest of your life. But yeah, that energy, like that's it. The moment you catch it and learning how to sense it in your body and in your mind and by trying out different things and experimenting how you how you beautifully describe is it's just part of the magic. And it's takes a bit of bravery at the beginning, right? But there's so much magic to be found on the other side of that. So I really want to honor that. It's so cool. And uh, Ellie, I rudely cut you off. Sorry, no, pal. All right, we just both Sorry, super, been... exci- super excited at the same time, <laughs> not surprisingly. Uh, it, it, it does require courage, but it, uh, but you mentioned a really important word, and that's faith. And when we're in that that space between the two worlds, like I remember distinctly straddling that, and it, it all came from discovering this naked mind and this opening for, hang on, I might have been wrong about something here. I'm willing to be wrong. Let me have a little look at this. And this is all the science. This was the science around how alcohol works with the brain and body, which as a drinker, you don't go looking for that kind of thing, do you? Because you you know it's broadly not good for you, but you're not going to go and look at how bad it is. So I remember reading it with trepidation, like, do I really want to read this? But Annie, of course, is very clever. When she, the, the opening of this six vital things you need to know about moderation. She even says at the beginning, something like your brain's going to try and tell you that you don't want to believe this or that this isn't true. And because of the way that she wrote, I, I was in just that little chink, that little opening. And as I read it, I just could not believe it. And I'm thinking, well, hang on. I've unequivocally had the belief that alcohol relaxes me. And yet, a second later, I now believe the exact opposite because I can't, I can't argue with this information. And so I'm I'm then in this weird world of, well, I don't like, it doesn't make sense. It just flat out does not make sense for me to drink anymore. My desire has gone in an instant, which when you've been stuck and miserable 
you know, like hanging out for the weekend to be able to drink again. It's like, it was the weirdest, weirdest feeling. And then the other side of that is this, well, then how do you live? How do you live alcohol free? But what I had in that moment was such excitement about what might be possible. So yeah, there's a little bit of fear. There was like the, oh, you know, are all my friends going to ditch me all of a sudden? But that rebellious part, that like, wow, this is a bit different, isn't it? And not everybody's doing this. And I kind of quite like that. And the thing, it's so interesting when you said about the movers and shakers, like when you start to realize who's sober and you're like, of course, of course they are. You know, like anybody that's doing anything worthwhile, they don't bloody drink. It's like, ah, so it's, it's, so it's almost like the best kept bloody secret. And when you start to edge into it, it's just, it's just unbelievable. Like what, what can happen and what can change. And, you know, for you, like for you to have, you know, had that spark of, do you know what? I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And then, do you know what? I'm going to write a book. Like it's, they're big things. They're not insignificant. Caroline, can I ask you, what were you doing before? What was your job that you left? So I was in higher education. I worked at a university in our top business school, uh, really initiating new projects and centers and things like that. Um, And that's the thing is that like, it was moderately fulfilling. Like I wasn't working on wall street. I mean, no offense to anyone there, but you know, I was working with young populations and really putting social impact in our curriculum and things like that, but it still wasn't my deep purpose. And I think that really intimately making an impact in people's lives and having autonomy over my career are two things that were really missing there. And so, you know, my beliefs around this before were like, tech geniuses are entrepreneurs, like the ones who live in Silicon Valley and get all this money from venture capitalists. That's an entrepreneur, not me. Like I I am foreign. I grew up very shy. Like there's just, I did not believe it was even possible for me. Um, And that's one of the things I just dared to be like, why not? And I remember the baby steps it took. Like, so I didn't quit my business first. I first launched this business and then I quit a year later. But I remember the baby steps. I was like, well, maybe I'll just register this domain online. What could it hurt? And maybe I'll just form this LLC and maybe I'll just put together this program. Like it was like these little, like putting my toe into the water, like, we'll just see what happens. And, and I remember one day visualizing like some of my top goals and dreams. And all of a sudden I just let myself be really honest. I was like, you know what? I want to be a best-selling author. I want to be traveling the world talking about this. I want to be helping as many people as possible. And I never before allowed myself to articulate it because before it was almost like I was so scared the other shoe would drop. It would just be, it's just so impossible. How could I ever do that? And I even made a little goal. Like I was like, okay, by 2019, I'll be on a book tour and traveling the world. And obviously my, my goals and my dreams took a bit longer, right? So it's so funny how we just want things to happen instantly. But four years later from that initial dream, I am traveling the nation and my book is on bookshelves, you know? So it's like, our dreams sometimes can take a long time to manifest and the the life that we really want to design and shape and shift might take a little bit, but it's like, what else are we doing with the time? The time is going to pass by either way, right? Mm-hmm. So you might as well use that time and energy to really build a life that you love, even if you don't believe it's possible or you don't know how to do it at first. Like the answers slowly come one by mm-hmm. one, not all of them. That would be way too overwhelming. You're not supposed to know the, exactly how to get there at the very beginning, but just the next right step, just the next right step after that. Same thing with writing my book. So I used to be a pretty voracious reader and writer when I was a kid. So I remember like writing little poems, little short stories, and I always wanted to write a book. It was a dream of mine to become an author. I, I majored in literature. I have a master's in that. Like it was always a dream of mine. But by the time I start drinking in college, my writing completely dries up. I get the worst writer's block and I cannot write at all. I completely stopped journaling as well, which is something I did all the time when I was younger. And I still had this desire, this deep yearning to write a book. So what I would do is New Year's Eve, I would be like, okay, this is the year I get it done. And I would just make this simple, small resolution, just write for 30 minutes a week, just sit down and write. And I would do it the first week of January and that's it. And I I left the rest of the year with one paragraph written. And there was a part of me that was just like, this isn't going to happen for you, Carolina. You don't have the discipline or the creativity. I don't know. It's just not in the cards for you. Like you're not going to be able to write a book. And I gave up. And it was when I went alcohol free that all of a sudden I noticed 
I am journaling, journaling voraciously again. I'm having so many epiphanies, so many aha moments. And I remember being on a, a beach uh, in Hawaii watching the sunset. And this word just comes to me. It's like, you are euphoric right now. You are watching the most beautiful, magical universe unfolding in front of you. And you're not trying to race to a bar to make it better with a drink. Like you were just so happy in your skin right now. You are euphoric. And I was like, that's it. That's the word. That is my word, right? And a month later, the entire book comes to me, like in a download. Like I was creatively starved for a decade. And all of a sudden, I literally get almost every chapter of the book, like to me, right? All the themes of the book. And I was like, I meant to do this and baby step by baby step. You know, I I wrote a first draft. I did the book proposal. I got an agent. I got a six figure book deal. And now my book is out not only in the United States, but also in the UK and Australia, it has two different covers. So in the U S it looks like that. And in the UK is a little bit more of a pastel look. I can't believe it. I still have to pinch myself sometimes that this all happened. Uh, but it, it really, I really truly believe that all of us, both women and men, and I speak more so to women, like we have these beautiful gifts. We have this intellect. We have this passion. We have so much to offer the world. And yet we are using our precious time and energy trying to finagle a question about alcohol. When am I going to drink? How am I going to limit it? How am I going to wake up the next day? Like just so much mental energy wasted trying to figure out something so inanimate, so unimportant in our lives. It's a fermented beverage at the end of the day. And when you take back that mental energy and your creativity and your time, and honestly, I think our intuition gets stronger because you finally listen to it again. You know, it's telling you you're made for more every time you wake up not feeling well. And yet you just ignore it and just like, well, society drinks, I'm drinking like whatever, but you listen to it and you strengthen that relationship with it. And all of a sudden that intuition starts giving you other hints, other clues on what you're supposed to do next. And that really just drives you. And I think I think really we could change the world. Like if everyone stood in their power and their potential and offered their gifts to the world and did things that fulfilled them and helped other people, I mean, it would be a different place, but I think we get so stuck in our beliefs, mm-hmm. so stuck in the roles that society gives us so stuck in what we think we have to do to maintain security or the status quo that we don't even allow ourselves to articulate it. And so my book really helps someone discover what do you want most you know, like, yeah, alcohol might be appealing in the moment. Cause it's like this momentary source of pleasure, but you have to want something way more than that. What is that? Like, what do you really want in this one and only life and really uncovering inherent and deep down desires that maybe have never been articulated before, or just have been, you know, cut off a long time ago as impossible. And that's the coolest thing about the women I work with. Like their stories are so transformational. They have written books. They have launched businesses. They've become alcohol-free coaches themselves. One of my clients quit her job, moved to France, and is now living the adventure of her lifetime and is going to write a memoir about the experience. Like this is stuff that you would never think, oh, if I just remove this one food drink item out of my life, all of a sudden, all of this cascading (laughs) transformation will happen, but it does. And, And my book really highlights not only why you should take a break, but also starts pivoting you to what are those deeper desires? What do you really want that's going to give you a sense of purpose? Because I mean, ultimately I get high every day. Literally, I have some bad days. I'm not saying that I have some challenging, stressful times, but I get high every day because of what, how I've designed my life, what I've decided to do with my time and energy and how I want to help people. And you cannot compare it to, you know, that like immediate gratification that I used to find in a glass. I love how you said design your life because that's what it's like. I I, re- I distinctly remember that pull for like, you know, this, this isn't it. When I was in the, the, the end of drinking, I used to sit there thinking like, this can't be it, surely. Like the, there has to be more than this. And I couldn't understand where all of my drive and my ambition and my motivation had gone and my confidence. Just couldn't understand it. Like, you know, it's, it has to be better than this. I have to, I have to be doing something else. But I was so stuck because it felt so out of reach. And the more that I went looking for it, the more upset I was about not finding it, the more that I drank. And so you just you just get completely and utterly stuck. So whatever the, the chink of light is, the, whatever the little opening is, you've, you've got to just be, be ready for it because when you edge into it, this is the kind of magic that happens. And I love how you said, like you don't see the whole thing 
you just see the bit that's right in front of you. So you have some courage, some faith, and, you know, a, a little bit of motivation and, you know, really magical things can happen. It's fabulous. And I love the word courage because I actually think going alcohol free is what trains us initially in that courage. You know, it is, you are the odd one out in many ways. You are like having to order a mocktail at a, at a, to a bartender who could literally laugh in your face. You all do have to explain it to your friends and family. Like all of these things take a lot of courage, especially because it's not just the fact that like everyone drinks and you're not in that moment. It's also this entire backstory, right. That we've attached to someone who doesn't drink like ooh, they're so they must have had problems like they have some kind of stigma attached to them it takes so much courage to come out against that and that courage i really fundamentally believe is training you for something way bigger way more important something that really really matters to you you know mm-hmm. because you get the courage to to be different in this regard it, it takes a lot of courage to like leave the corporate world for example when all of your friends are like you're crazy like what about health insurance you know what i mean <laughs> Uh, the things that you really, we really want in life are often the road less traveled. You will have to use that courage to really defy naysayers or unbelievers to go after what you really want in your heart. Nobody knows what you want and nobody has the passion and the desire to see it through like you do. Yeah. We kind of have mass amnesia and, and alcohol is a wonderful drug to support that because it just helps us forget who we really are. And once we reconnect with the fact that we're (laughs) like the universe is creating itself through us and then us creating the universe through what we do i mean holy shit like let's let's like, i say to people all the time like they're like well what do you really mean by all this i say these things like you know once you figure out who you really are you know once consciousness wakes up and you want your level of consciousness consciousness starts rising and you start creating from from that space and and it's like i don't really get what that is but I mean, when you do, once you're break, like, like we say, once you start taking these steps, one bite at a time, right? Just one bite at a time. Someone once said to me, um, it was at the climbing hangar where I climbed the wall. They were like, one day, like the toughest thing that you're struggling with right now, it's just going to be your warm up. It's just going to be your warm up. And I was like, hey, like this, this place, this climbing hangar is like a microcosm of the universe. I've learned so many, there's so many metaphors running in there all the time, right? But yeah, just connecting with that. And it really... I think we're often looking for the perfect step. I love what you said, Carolina, like about kind of like building a bridge to the life that you want. And you do that kind of like one step at a time. So what would you say to someone who feels lost, who feels like they're just existing and they're like, I know that I'm meant to do it. Like, what's the leverage point? Where's the opening? Like, obviously they could read your book, which sounds like it would be a really, really good opening. But, you know, what would you say to someone who said, or what do you say to people? Or these women that come and, and you and you want to empower them to realize who they really are? Yeah, that's a really good question. And honestly, this is something I'm so passionate about. Like I could care less about what people drink at the end of the day. It's not about alcohol to me, yeah. right? It's like, this is an avenue of transformation that I believe it's the fastest road to your biggest dreams. I don't think it's the only road. Obviously people achieve dreams in many, many, many facets and ways, but I actually believe it's the fastest because of the transformation that happens. It's a huge, huge leverage point because the brain gets so married to these identities and whatever our identity is, we will make sure that that's congruent with our environment and our patterns of behavior. If we believe we are an athlete, for example, we will get up and run the next day. You know, if we believe we're a couch potato, that run is not going to happen. Our identity is one of the strongest things in our lives. But the thing is when you change your relationship with alcohol, one of the biggest identities you had all of a sudden gets scrambled in the brain, like really scrambled. The brain is so confused. Like, wait a minute, we're not winery people anymore. Like we don't, we're not all about that. Like we're into like reading books now, you know? And I think it's this magical place where if that identity could be so, you know, turned upside down and changed anything else you thought you were or were not can now be open for exploration. For example, really simple. I'm not a morning person. Yeah. Who decided that the teenager version of yourself? Yeah. Teenagers (laughs) need a lot of sleep, right? Like that's not true to who you are. The drinking version of yourself decided that, you know, like opening yourself up to who you think you can be or are like just the same way I did with the word writer, author, and entrepreneur. None of those things I thought could possibly be me. And yet I opened up myself to this new sense of identity. So I really think it's this leverage point where really, if you can do this, and I don't mean you've done it already. Like if you're doing it, if you're in it, if you're trying to change that perseverance will take you to success inevitably, as long as you don't give up, right? If you're doing this, you can do anything. 
So a lot of people might not know, right? Because I think our desires, especially as women really get mixed up with selfishness and it's like, okay, I'm here to be a mom. I'm here to provide a paycheck for my family. Like what I want doesn't matter. And so like, and we also don't believe it's, it's even possible, right? Like, like, I think we get so caught up with the logistics. Like Mm -hmm. I remember when I wanted to be a writer, I was like, well, writers don't really make very much money. So how am I going to support myself as a writer? And that thought literally prevented me from writing for half an hour when I had a full-time job paying my bills. Like there was nothing that was stopping the security of my life at that moment to just sit down and write for 30 minutes. But that dumb thought stopped me. Right. And I didn't write. So like we get so caught up in that um, without just figuring out what is it we desire and we will find a way once we know what we desire. So some of the tools I use, and I coach clients specifically on this, I actually don't work with people on day one anymore. They're already in their break from alcohol to really leverage this new identity and discover what their bigger purpose or passions are. Some tools I'll just, I'll mention off the top of my head. One I love is jealousy. So there are probably people in your life you're jealous of, whether it's like maybe someone from high school, maybe they became like a doctor or a public speaker. And you're like, what? She was the dumb one. How did that happen? (laughs) You know? And you're just so like, you're fuming every time you see something from her, it just triggers you. You know, maybe it's a, a public figure or someone famous. Like you're just really jealous of their life. Maybe you even get angry at people who have a different life than you. Like, oh, must be nice, right? Like for you to just fritter off to France tomorrow, but you even get angry about it. Like these are all, even though jealousy is a very, it's a negative emotion in the body. It feels not good. It's a clue. It's a clue of the life you really want. And I think our lives, the ones we want, the things that we desire, they're very unique. I've worked with so many women now. I know someone who wants to be a professional hula hoop dancer and someone else who wants to open up an animal sanctuary and someone else who wants to be, you know, an entrepreneur and someone else who wants to have a community nonprofit. Like our desires are so unique. And I believe that they're actually, they come from somewhere else. Like if we're talking universal ideas here, they come from something bigger than us. And we are the person who's meant to manifest them in the world. So use your jealousy as a clue. Who are you jealous of? Who triggers you? What are you angry of? Um, You know, there's a famous writer, Gretchen Rubin. She writes on happiness. She used to be a lawyer and she even was a clerk for Sandra Day O'Connor, like total up and comer dream, right? But she wasn't happy. And when she looked around at the people in her life who she was jealous of, it was all writers, all friends that went to writing careers. And that was the biggest aha moment for her. So that could be one clue. Mm -hmm. Another clue is something that really pulls on your heartstrings for like a social cause, for example. So like, what was the first thing you started really caring about? Like maybe in high school, you know, is it the environment? Is it women's equality? Like, you know, oftentimes our desire to help uh, is it's kind of what drives our deeper why and our deeper yearning. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people think like, okay, yeah, I care about the environment, but just volunteering four hours to clean up a beach is not going to cut it. Like we need to feel autonomy. We need to feel like we're making a real difference. Like we really matter and that we have a legacy attached to it. So it's not just necessarily like a few hours that's literally going to make a dent for a day until the beach gets dirty again. It's like, how can I be part of a bigger global change? And oftentimes that autonomy means doing something, creating something of your own and leading a movement, right? Where you are usually meant to be a leader in that. So I remember I was really passionate about women's equality and like really the sense of like women should have just as much power and success as men. And I I was like, hated how that just wasn't really equal when I was learning all about it. And now, you know, I manifest that same desire to help women, but what we do is we remove the block of alcohol for women to step into their greater purpose and passion. They make more money. They have more success. They get promotions. They literally launch businesses that change lives or nonprofits that change lives. So in a strange way, I'm still fulfilling that original theme that I first cared about when I was younger. So those are a few clues that can really help. But honestly, I think we go through our challenges for a reason. And I think the reason why we go through them is to help the person behind us. And it could be anything. Yes, anyone listening to this has probably had alcohol as a challenge and could probably help someone else uh, when the time comes right for it, help them through that. But maybe like you suffered from postpartum depression and it was really hard for you and you had nowhere to go and you had nothing, you know, and you overcame it or you learned how to heal naturally or, or, you know, you just learned a lot about that. I mean, I'm sure if any woman came to you with the same problem, you would be like, oh, here's all these, like, here's how you can go move through it. Like maybe you were meant to go through that to be able to help someone else. And so I think when we get creative, like how and why did I go through things? How much have I learned to overcome that? I've heard the craziest stories even of like women who've uh, gone, gotten divorced and had custody battles and all the legal, like, 
confusion over something like that. Now they help women in that exact same situation. They take the 10 years that they, they needed to learn the hard way and they condense it into one year, right. For someone going through it next. So mm-hmm. I think it's just so beautiful how we could take our experiences to help other people. But if that's often it, it's that help. It's really feeling you have autonomy and you're creating something. I mean, even writing a book or even baking cupcakes, like it is helping people if you're bringing more joy into their life. It doesn't just have to be like the actual service profession. Um, What brings you joy? What makes you happy? You know, and and oftentimes in my book and in my programs, we have weeks dedicated to just like find what brings you pleasure. Go try new things. Go out to that tango dancing class. Go out, you know, to that writer's workshop. Just do what brings you pleasure. Read in the sun. And I think once we start discovering what it is in smaller ways, we start honing in on what it is in bigger ways too. I love what you said about jelly, but I think so many people that come into, I imagine all of our worlds, um, be the men or women, they've actually been burying certain emotions or feelings, be it jealousy or anger with this idea, you're like, it's not okay to feel this, but every emotion it's like, it's valid. It's there for a reason. You know, it's taken us 4.6 billion years or whatever to get here in this body now. And they're all pretty useful. And, you know, using it in that way, what an amazing signpost. That's such an incredible thing for people to be able to use something that forever they may have even had shame about and actually use it as a, as a tool to empower them to be the person that they're meant to be. Like, uh, I love that. I love that flip. That's, that's really special. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I know a lot of people listening will get a lot from that. That's really cool. There's, I mean, this is like, you have to go and read Carolina's book because you know that there's a little snippet a little little taste of what's to come and one of the things that you talked about there that I just think is it's the most beautiful thing is this like rebuilding of community so we all kind of live these disparate lives like you know all of my family are you know my closest family members like four hours away my brother's the other side of the world you know we we don't we don't grow together in the same way that we would have done many years ago. And there's a lot that's lost in that process. And so just as you say, in the suffering, there's always a gift. There's a gift of something that, like I, I, I believe there's always something for ourselves, but in that, in that passing the baton on to somebody else, in that helping bring somebody else it's it's so important because we just we don't we don't have these networks of support like we used to you know the 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 whole thing about it takes a village well guess what we don't have bloody villages anymore we barely have like neighborhoods so that and i think a lot of people anybody that i come across through this uh, this community everybody has that pull like they because we're all connected, right? And they, they have that need to help others and serve others in some way. So I really loved what you talked about in that, you know, in, in your deepest suffering, there is the most beautiful thing, the other side of it, and potentially a whole host of joy for somebody else in their own life and, and for you when you see the results of it. It's just wonderful. I love how you articulate that. And Um, I think obviously like there are so many lessons that we learn and so many gifts that we get through those lessons. And it doesn't, doesn't make light of sometimes really hard situations, Mm. but like when you see that, like you really can help someone else through something that was challenging for you. I mean, gosh, does it breathe so much of a sense that like, you're not alone. Not only are you not alone because you're here connected with other people, but also with a benevolent force outside of you. Like you've never been alone right? This has always been for your highest good. And, you know, that's what I lean into all the time. I mean, I'm not perfect. So not all the time, but I lean into that the majority of that time, that belief that I'm not alone. And, uh, there is really a higher, whatever you, you call it, whatever words yeah. that's guiding me, that's showing me next right steps, um, that has a design for my life. Right. And I love what you say about connection too, because like you know, what is more boring than drunk conversation and repetitive, you know, stories and being so obnoxious that you literally aren't listening to anyone else. Like there's something so beautiful when you put a group of alcohol-free people together, small talk goes away. You know what I mean? It is purely about connection and presence and just this deeper sense of like, let's talk about what matters, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and what's deeper and what really brings us together. And 
that connection I think is so beautiful too. And, and any way that we're able to foster that or be part of it or find it, or, you know, I think it's just a beautiful purpose too. Like I know a lot of women who just, they, they crave that connection. They felt they were lacking and they'll go out and create it for someone else. You know what I mean? Whether it's a meetup group or some kind of social event, or, you know, there's just, there's so much play I think involved in what is possible. And it, it it's so interesting to me that, you know, I think a lot of people, they, they, how it seems to me is that we confuse the idea of, uh, you know, being surrounded by lots and lots of people and feeling connected when we all know it's very possible to be in a bar drunk, surrounded by people feeling very lonely and feeling very disconnected. The connection is kind of uh, the way I see it now. It's like we reconnect with the fact of connection you know we're always in common with the universe we're breathing and even in the moments where we feel it at the darkest like where we feel totally alone we're not we're connected we're breathing every single moment we're connected and once you notice that and you reconnect with that feeling in you then you just you can become a connoisseur of connection in other people as well and it's and it's so wonderful to be able to go into environments where people are clear where they don't have a substance like alcohol in there that's kind of you know, blocking their chat. I don't know. You can use whatever kind of language you want with this stuff, but like you feel it, right? When you were, when you were, uh, we were talking to William Porter the other week, he was saying that like, it's such a blast being in like an alcohol free event. And like, everyone's so like high on life chatting away and you leave. And um, it was the strangest thing for me. The, like the first time I came away from a night like that and I couldn't sleep because I was like, so naturally high. I was like, I'm buzzed. Exactly. Like you yeah. said, like I'm euphoric, right? It's, it's such a gift because it, that can seem so impossible. Like it can, like, hang on a minute. Not only is my life going to be like, like as good, but it's going to be infinitely better. And the possibilities are going to open up to me. Like um, it's such a powerful message to spread. And uh, yeah, I think it's so powerful that you're doing it through the book as well as your coaching pal and, and the podcast and everything. It's so cool. So Carolina, do you want to, do you want to tell us a bit? I, I heard a little Dicky bird told me you've got a nice little retreat going on, which I'd like I'd like to come along for. Sounds, yeah, cool. Sounds divine. Do you want to tell us a bit about what you're up to? Absolutely. You know, so uh, I I have my book and some courses and some preliminary uh, programs that are really there to help people. You know, for their first break from alcohol or second or third or whatever, really change their beliefs around it. But something I found that really just calls to me is like, well, what is next? You know, you remove alcohol, all of those things. I, I told you how you have this advantage. You have the creativity coming back. You have your energy, your motivation, your confidence, you know, the brain is already scrambled when it's identity, like what identity can we paint for ourselves? And that's really what I'm super passionate about helping women with. So in addition to group coaching programs and some masterminds, I, I am going to be, um, organizing soon, I'm hosting retreats and these retreats are made for alcohol-free women. Sorry, fellas. My, my, most of my stuff is open to guys, but for the in-person retreat, it's women only. Um, I can go, <laughs> <laughs> but they are meant for alcohol-free women, women who've already renegotiated change their relationship with alcohol and want to find that deeper sense of purpose and really reconnect with their deeper why and their strength and their power and their confidence. And I'm actually hosting two retreats this year, which is super exciting. One is going to be in Bali, Indonesia. Uh, that one had been previously planned, but the pandemic kind of shook it around, but it seems like we'll, we'll finally be able to go uh, this October. And then another one in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, in this gorgeous yoga retreat, like in a jungle off the coast uh, of the Pacific Ocean. Um, and I'm just so excited for those experiences because when I've had them myself, when I get away from my environment and I shake up my routine and I'm really around a mentor that not only helps me, you know, holistically take care of my life, my mindfulness, my health, but then really uh, allows us to dream something so much bigger. They have been life changing, literally life changing so much so that I make sure every single year, even during the pandemic, every year, maybe twice a year, maybe even three times, I need an immersion event. Like I need to actually get out of my house somewhere different. And I need to experience like rapid transformation in a short period of time to carry my momentum for when I get back and I have just the daily stuff to take care of again. So I really, really believe in immersion. And I really believe in the idea like that we are our biggest asset. Like we think of assets and investments and we think of like, you know, what it's worth to spend money on. And oftentimes like, it's so hard to spend money on ourselves. It's so hard. Uh, whether that's from a shame place or just like a, you know, it just doesn't seem like a possibility. Um, and I, I really truly believe that 
when women and, and men as well, like when self-care, when their personal development, when their dreams are worth investing in, you know, like you will attract wealth and opportunities and positive outcomes in your life. And so just taking the time to really trust and honor yourself and say, I'm worthy of this investment. I'm my biggest asset, you know, to, because for me, honestly, Ellie, a retreat like six years ago would have brought up such pangs of guilt. Like, am I allowed to really spend money on myself to go on a retreat? Right. That's how I used to think. And I, I, I definitely identify with that belief system from the past. Um, but those are those two opportunities. If they're, you know, calling your name, uh, you know, we obviously love to have you. They have some, we have limited spots obviously as well. So, um, you can check out my website, euphoricaf.com to check those out. Uh, but I really believe also too, for me, I'm marrying my biggest passion of travel with my purpose. And it just, this is like the possibilities that exist, right? When alcohol's out of the way and you just allowing your life being guided by your pleasure and your sense of impact at the same time, you're really marrying like what feels good to you with what helps the most people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just, I gotta be more excited about them. Oh God. Screw you, Sam. I'm going. I'll see you so when I'm good. back from Bali. I'll have to, I'll have to <laughs> trust the, the report. It's all good. Um, oh, it sounds amazing though. And you know how to pick somewhere to hold a retreat as well, pal. That's awesome. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending the time with us, Carolina. It's just been just so wonderful to hear just more about you, you know, it's, it feels like a bloody long time ago that we were training and it's just, it's, it's been magical to watch from the sidelines and see everything that's happening for you and to get a little bit of a, um, an inside view as to, you know, the, how you've got there and what you're up to. It's just, it's wonderful. I really appreciate oh, well, it. Well, thank you. I feel the same with you too, you know, seeing what you're building here and, and the, the humanitarian like aid you've been putting together like all of it is just so incredible so just, kudos to both of you too well we're just lucky right we're just so bloody lucky that you just you say you get to you know marry together all the best stuff it's just you know it's a risk. whole pinching yourself thing like yeah, you know it it's it's crazy and, and it yeah it's such a wonderful thing it is I was just thinking to myself the other day and this happened earlier on when you when you were talking about your book and sitting in Hawaii watching the sunset and I got that feeling that goosebumps feeling that chills and it just happened it happens all the time and I was thinking the other day like I don't think that used to happen ever when I was drinking and like now I get I get chills like all the time it's like really feeling it. it's good your channel is open <laughs> exactly exactly you know it awesome well i very much look forward to the next time and thank you so much for coming and sharing your awesome uplifting stuff that's so cool absolutely what an uplifting conversation and what a reminder of just how badass this choice is and that it can really feel when we're carrying around um, the filter and some beliefs around alcohol, we can really feel like, am I ever going to feel like that? And, and yes, yes, you absolutely can. This is possible for anybody. And um, by listening to these podcasts and being brave enough to go on the journey, you're, you're, it, things are already happening for you. I can guarantee you in the background, um, things are already shifting. So thanks, Carolina, for another wonderful wonderful conversation and if anyone's interested in any of Carolina's stuff check out her links and uh, and bits and pieces on the show notes okay awesome have an awesome week talk to you soon